What's up, everybody? Welcome in. My name is Bryce Kuhn. We got Ralph Leary in the background. This is Talking Georgia Tech, making some hires, doing some other things. And Buster Faulkner rumors, we're going to talk about it here in February. It's time for college football. It always is here on the Crowder Booth. Pile in here and make yourself feel at home. The Crowded Booth is coming on. The Crowded Booth with Bryce Kuhn. Welcome in. Welcome in. I hope you're having a fantastic Sunday. Hope you had a great weekend. And uh, yes, this is very much an impromptu show. Ralph and I were getting ready to just kind of record this, release it tomorrow morning. It's going to be, if you're listening, maybe you're listening to it on Monday. So maybe you didn't catch us live. We appreciate you tuning in. We appreciate you being a part of the show. Some big news, obviously, with Georgia Tech, but even bigger news, Ralph. Uh, Even some bigger news. I I know Ralph has one thing of merchandise. I'm rocking a hoodie right now. And it's the presenting sponsor of all things Georgia Tech we do here on the Crowded Booth. It is Section 103. Look, you're not going to find more comfortable, licensed apparel. And that is the key word, license. It's the real logos, folks. It's the real stuff going on, and you want to be a part of it as you kind of uh, you know transition away from some of the, maybe the cheaper stuff. Now, look. If you're saying, hey, Bryce, it's a little too expensive for my taste, I get that. It's quality, though, but we're going to give you 10% off if you use code CROWDEDBOOTH for 10% off your first purchase today. Uh, let's let's rock and roll. Let, let's talk tonight. We want you to join the conversation because we're going to talk two folds here. Uh, obviously, Georgia Tech, uh, if you you know maybe weren't paying attention you know this time, I uh, guess, what, three or four nights ago now, Ralph? Corey Peoples was added to the Georgia Tech staff. Still not necessarily official uh, things when you just kind of necessarily look from a press release standpoint. But it's been all but confirmed, Corey Peebles, and we've seen him on the recruiting trail, uh, Tay Harris as well. But I'm here to talk to you tonight about why this hire makes sense. And, you know, th- there's been some trepidation, I think, and I was able to gather some information of the weekend from, you know, folks on the Georgia State side of things and, and folks on the Georgia Tech side of things about why this hire makes sense. Uh, so let's start there. Uh, Corey Peoples was obviously at Georgia State. Uh, this is a guy that uh, you look at the numbers, okay? The, the secondary numbers were not all that fantastic. Uh, let's just be honest. It, it wasn't great with what Georgia State gave up through the year. Uh, they were pretty good in the early half of the season, but like my good friend Ralph and uh, fellow Sunbelt savant says, uh, Georgia State's a team that you know just kind of crumbled towards the last part of the season. And so – you pencil in a game against Jaden Daniels and LSU there towards the end of the season, too. That didn't help out the stats, obviously. Uh, they played a pretty tough schedule last season, too. If I'm not mistaken, Ralph, I think they played three Power 5 teams. Uh, I think they might have. I, I don't remember. Maybe at least two. But they played LSU towards the back half of the season. So I got to watch this secondary kind of up close. And, and for a group of five unit, this isn't a group that you were going to say – there's an NFL draft caliber, you know, uh, round one talent. But this is a defense, and you just have to go over to the bio uh, over still at Georgia State's website. You know, look, this is a guy who, you know, has tons of college coaching, coaching experience, uh, was a, pl- a player at the college level and a, and a player at the NFL level. Uh, you know, this is two where he has spent time in the state of Georgia, which I think is massive. Uh, he spent one season uh, back in 2018 as the cornerbacks coach at Georgia Southern. Then he uh, had two all-time or two-time All Sun Belt selections there. Makes the jump up to Atlanta, and you know, I, I just, I honestly just think that 
when you look at the higher, why this makes sense. We're going to go first. Relationships within the state of Georgia. Uh, from what I've been able to gather about Peebles and, and just talking with some folks, and I'll even get you, and I threw it in our Discord, which you should definitely join, uh, that you are you know, just talking about it. But you know, w- when you look at what Corey Peebles brings to the table, uh, this is what I got from a high school coach who has had some prominent players within this state and has had experience with Peebles coming uh, to his school and kids going to visit, whether that was at Georgia State or Georgia Southern or anywhere in between. Uh, He said the kids love him and he connects really, really well with them. Uh, He has a way of getting down to their level and showing that he has their best interest in mind. Uh, When you're a program like Georgia Tech that has to rely so much on development rather than playing with the five stars of the world, that is a massive component to have when you're talking about bringing in a defensive backs coach. And I think that's one of the wins of this situation for Georgia Tech. Look, Peebles is going to fish in the deep waters. He's going to fish uh, in the fertile recruiting grounds, as he should, and as Georgia Tech should have. A, you know, a, uh, We've seen it with the way the Brent Key is you know, helicoptered around the state of Georgia. Georgia Tech has to have a presence and a brand recognition in uh, the s- significant high school and the significant areas of the state. But I, I think, too, when you add in a guy like Peebles, who's a big relationship guy, uh, we saw him on the road visiting a Tay Harris. They hosted Jalen Hollywood Bell. If you haven't caught that interview, head over to thecrowdedbooth.com to make sure you get that one in tow. But that comment about Peebles, and look, we'll be honest, that's just one coach's comment, but it's positive signs to where I think we're starting to see Brent Key position this staff. I said from the onset To me, your defensive backs coach needs to be a guy who is highly energetic, and he's a guy that really, really needs to connect well and be, uh, you know, a player's coach, uh, a guy that they could bond well with. And Peebles fits that bill as a guy that has great relationships with his players, but also is growing as a coach. I think the one thing we've seen that Georgia Tech and Brinke have decided to kind of steer away from is the retread route, and. While people might say, I'd rather have an established name come, really, if you're Georgia Tech, there's only a couple different ways you're going to get that. You're either going to have to come up with a large lump sum of money to pry away an established guy at a equal to or better program, or you're going to have to find the next best thing. And with the already the hire of Tyler Santucci, we're going to talk about that impact now. I think he can improve the defense uh, here in the next week or two. But with that kind of focus of saying we want to get young, we want to have a guy who, uh, you know, is growing as a coach, but a, a good recruiter and not a retread, but a guy that we may see as an up and comer in the business. I think that's what Brinke was able to identify here. Now, I don't want the message to get lost in this. This was a job that was. A ton of interviews. And Brent Key, like I said, was very, very meticulous with the spot that he wanted to kind of sit in with uh, hiring this position. So if you are Georgia Tech and you are sitting there and you're a fan of saying there's, there's going to be two schools of thought. Well, he was like the sixth, seventh, eighth option. Yeah, okay, may, maybe so. There probably were some guys that were offered the job before that turned it down. And uh, you know, then I know one in particular that was. But I don't think that this is an example of necessarily settling. I, I don't think that this is uh, an example for me of saying, well, we just had to kind of settle for the next best thing. Yes, the stats aren't where you wanted them, but you kind of had to be realistic about what you're going to get here. You want a guy who's an up-and-comer, 
at the group of five level, well, you got a guy that's literally, I mean, Ralph, I don't know the mileage between Georgia State's campus and Georgia Tech's campus, uh, you know, half a mile away, who understands what it takes to recruit in the state, understands what it takes to coach and have relationships already built in with high school staffs across the country uh, and high school staffs, especially inside this state of Georgia. I think that's what Brent Key really, really valued. And you could arguably say he got his guy in that sense. See, see, you also have to remember, too, the, the fans' perspective or maybe our perspective of who would be the best options. We're looking at on-the-field you know, results. We're looking at you know, guys that have established resumes and established pedigrees. But if Brent Key's vision is for we're not going to go the retread route, we're going to go with the next up-and-comer, then you could make the argument that he got his guy. And time's only going to tell you know, whether this was the right hire or not. But I think that why this hire makes sense is because of really – of the vision of Brent Key, one, to establish a staff that is young, upcoming, and might be the next best thing, and then two, have a guy that understands recruiting within this state. That, that's that's massive, and all signs point to he having a very good relationship. Uh, like, once again, if you have not already checked out the interview with Jalen Bell, he gives a little bit of insight on that. He spent some time with us over at www.crowdabooth.com. You should make sure you check that out. I just think that this hire makes sense for several reasons. I list them there. You know, number one was obviously the recruiting factor. Number two is the vision of what you you want to be. And you bring in a guy that is going to be over the safeties. You're going to have Ricky Brumfield coaching the corners, which is massive. You're going to have you know some GAs and some analysts working in that room. This really feels like it's going to be a group effort to implement the style of defense that Tyler Santucci wants to have. I think that's exciting for Georgia Tech fans. It feels like a complete overhaul, a complete revamp of what you wanted when you left the field you could say in Atlanta when you played Georgia, but when you left the Gasparilla Bowl, yes, you were excited about what happened, and you should be. You got the program back to level playing ground. But Brick Key's viewing this as we've got to take another step. He's well aware of it, whether you believe that he is or not. He's well aware of the importance of Georgia Tech's immediate success and year-to-year growth that they have to have to stay relevant in this ever-changing sport. I think that's why it's absolutely encouraging to see him say, we're revamping all of this. Offensively, we feel like we're really good, and we've got a chance to improve. Now, defensively, we got to get some fresh blood in here. Is it going to work? We'll see. There's no way to tell. No one's got the crystal ball. No one's got the, the magic eight ball and can sit there and say that it might work. But I think that you have to applaud, and we now start to see the vision that he has. And I'll even go back to an example of what we saw last year. Here's a great one. We go back to Josh Crawford, the wide receivers coach. Crawford came in with not the lengthiest resume when you talk about being a power five position coach. And people were kind of thinking to themselves, well, what's this hire all about? Or or, this is a guy that, okay, maybe whatever. But what we've learned over the course of the 365 days plus that he's been here is this is a guy who understands how to recruit, how to build relationships. And he had essentially a freshman All-American player than in Eric Singleton and was able to get veteran guys like Chase Lane to show promise uh, and what he can do. Malik Rutherford had a great season. And so what you see is that's the philosophy. Brent Key's trying to do the same on the defensive side of the football. 
And so I applaud that. I applaud what they were trying to do there, and I like the vision. Now we all get on board, and we see how it pans out this year and into next year. I'm going to detail some things uh, probably a little bit later on in the week or next week as we cover what changes can Santucci make to this defense you know, from a schematic standpoint, from a personnel standpoint, and what that could look like as we get ready for spring ball, which is not too far away. But let me know why you think uh, the Corey Peoples hire makes sense. And I see my man Jonesy down there already saying there, Ralph, uh, with that latest comment. He said he talked to three high school coaches, all said that Peoples was a great hire uh, for Georgia Tech. Very, very true. I'm going to go up to a comment right here. Mr. Singh, always a loyal follower, loyal listener. He says, crazy amount of people for a live stream that was announced literally 10 minutes ago. Yeah, we appreciate it. Like the video, subscribe to the channel if you have not already for some of the best Georgia Tech talk you're going to find out there on the internet. Uh, I think it's great. I think it's absolutely um, phenomenal. I, I, I think it's it's a it, we see the vision. Here's the vision. And we're going to try to go pursue that. As fans, now we kind of join and we, we see what we can do here. Before we move on to this next topic, you know, the staff is in place. The 10-person 10, 10 on-the-field staff is in place, and that's where they're going to roll with this. And, you know, look, everyone woke up Friday and said, all right, ready to roll into spring ball. Winter workouts are underway. You know, the spring game was announced, and everyone's starting to feel like, okay, we're getting into that part of the season where some things are finally set, and then – um, Bruce Feldman, national college football reporter, drops a, a little bit of a bombshell and some news, and I wanted to kind of sift through that. As Buster Faulkner is apparently would be rumored to be a potential candidate for the Kentucky offensive coordinator job. Uh, Liam Cohen, which is just a fascinating, and Ralph can fact check me here, a fascinating turn of events with you talk about Liam Cohen here, a guy that was with Kentucky uh, back in with Will Levis. Uh, Will Levis's I think I'm right here. Will Levis's second first year in Kentucky leaves to go to the Rams. Will Levis doesn't have a fantastic year as he enters the draft. We all saw what he did with the Titans this past year. They bring Liam Cohen back. Mark Stoops does uh, pays him a nice chunk of change. And he has the one year with Devin Leary, which was, uh, you know, look, I thought Kentucky was gonna be pretty solid this year. Uh, and they kind of underperformed. Ralph, you can give me that uh, final. Ralph, you can give me that. You can give me that fun. The final uh, record there for Kentucky in 2023. So now Liam Cohen jumps to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's going to be back in the NFL as an offensive coordinator. So now that leaves, kind of very late into the process now, a prominent, um, attractive offensive coordinator coaching position in the SEC. And I wanted to address this because there is a fine, fine line for me when we kind of get to this type of conversation of, Saying something makes sense of why he would be perceived as a candidate and will he actually leave? And I, I want to preface the conversation with that. So if we start with why was he listed as a candidate per Bruce Feldman? Well, he did a really, really good job. Really, really good job this past season with Georgia Tech's offense. I mean, folks, if we're really honest with ourselves, he resurrected what had been a dormant offense the past three years. Not much of an identity. He gave a group an identity. He took a quarterback that really had struggled to find any type of you know, confidence and consistent rhythm and made him you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the ACC, uh, aside from the interception numbers, but showed promise of what he can be and hopefully he builds into in year two. Uh, he helped take a, you know, a, a receiver 
Uh, and I know that a lot of other people were in the mix here. He helped take a receiver, put him at running back. <laughs> Jamal Haynes was a, you know, a thousand yard rusher. Uh, he helped, you know, scheme guys open. He helped the tight end position be, you know, prominent and featured into an offense that has been starving for that. So I just list all those things. Oh, oh and by the way, he took a program or helped take a program in an offense that not, not only found an identity, but put up some numbers and was able to get to a bowl game and win for the first time in a long time. So that's why he's perceived to be a candidate because he had success where he was. Now we talk about, would he leave? Now I want to go back real quick. Cause why is he perceived to be a candidate? Obviously the familiarity with Brock Vandegrift, that's going to most likely be QB one up there in Lexington and the familiarity between like, let's just kind of call it for where it is. I'm not a scout. I don't claim to be one. You have to think Faulkner worked with Vandegriff, you know, during the, what was the shave though? The Stetson Bennett years there. That's fine. Yeah. Cause Beck was the starter this year. First year starter during the Stetson Bennett years and knows his game. Nobody knows what he brings to the table. And if you've watched Vandegrift play at the high school ranks, or you understand what type of quarterback he seems to be, well, you could kind of see some similarities to what Haynes King brings to the table in the terms of play style and what he wants to do. He wants to be moving around the pocket. He wants to roll out. He wants to use his legs. That's a Brock Vandegrift type style of quarterback. Now hear me. No one here just said that Brock Vandegrift is as good as Haynes King. No one knows what Brock Vandegrift's going to be. But when you look at those kind of three factors, it's tremendous success at a place that, you know, Dr. Bob mentioned it, the play calling and the offensive, in, in, you know, intuition was pretty stale and jumping into the top 35 and top 40 ranks of the country. That's massive. The familiarity with their potential starting quarterback and how that would help a transition. There's another factor. And then obviously when you take that starting quarterback and you kind of look at what he did and what he was able to, uh, you know, bring around to the table in ter terms of, these guys might have some similar traits. Folks, that, that's what, when you read a headline or you read a tweet that says from a national college football writer, when you need to, when you read that and, and you get frustrated and mad, folks, that, that's the framework of what we're working with here. When, when you create these, when you really step back and think about it, you take the gold-colored glasses off. That, that's why he's listed as a candidate, and that's a good thing for Georgia Tech, that you have a guy that is listed as a candidate for other jobs. You want that. You, you, you don't want coaches that nobody else wants, and so that's, that's a good thing. Now let's talk about that is why he is perceived to be a candidate. Let's talk logically about this. Obviously, a lot of people know the family aspect for Faulkner and his son and all those type of things. I think financially, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what Kentucky throws. I believe, and Ralph can correct me, Liam Cohen was making 1.8 at Kentucky. That's that's going to be something that's really, really kind of, uh, you know, interesting to see is if there is an interview process, and this is all hypothetical, if, if there is an interview process, if there is a process in which these guys, you know, get to a table and some type of negotiation is had, that could be a potential issue for Georgia Tech. But will he leave? You could play the devil's advocate game, or you could play this game really kind of, you know, either way and talk yourself into, yeah, he's going to leave, or yeah, he's not going to leave. 
the prob the, the part that I found problematic when we talked about this in the, on our Discord, and you should once again come join that conversation, a uh, good conversation we have about Georgia Tech athletics and college football and all sports as a whole, is is Kentucky perceived as a step up? And that's one that seemed to rub some people the wrong way. Uh, once again, people might get in their feelings about it, but but this is this is what it is is. Perception is a very interesting thing when we talk about college football because your perception, my perception, is different from other people's perception. There isn't just one um, perception that is kind of for everyone, and that's what we all view through that lens. So the perception is, is Kentucky's an SEC program. Well, what does that tell you? Yeah, they're not a top-tier SEC program, but they're safely a mid-tier SEC program. That tells you, one that they're going to make some money, especially off of this new contract, especially off of what they're you know going to be able to kind of roll with money-wise. Their NIL opportunities are a little bit more further advanced than what Georgia Tech might be sitting in in this current situation. Their level of competition is going to be a little bit higher. Although they may not win all of those games, what it gives you a chance to, and folks, what it gave a chance to for a guy like Will Levis to, is to position yourself to put some pretty good film on tape and kind of sit there and understand to yourself, guys, if, if if Faulkner goes up there and Vandergriff does really well, you're talking to, you know, about a guy that maybe finds himself in some type of, you know, draft conversation. Once again, this is how people get to these points and get to these conversations and get to saying, Hey, this candidate makes sense because it is a step up by that perception. And I would even tell you that I share the perception that the Kentucky OC job is a step up in terms of, you know, program in terms of that type of uh, exposure, I think is the biggest word I would use for it. Does that mean Georgia Tech can't get there? No, it just means at this point currently, I, I believe that that job could be deemed more attractive by different people in their perception. I would perceive it as a more attractive job if I'm sitting here weighing the two options. The problem and the frustration with that is, is that a lot of people we're talking to in this are looking through the golden white, or they might be looking through different colors, you know, uh, whatever the school they look at, and then they make their their conversation off that. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not an unbiased comment or statement. So. For Faulkner, all of this to say is, weeding through the rumors here, does it make sense of why he would be a candidate? 110% yes. And I don't think we can all really lie about that through our teeth because we just laid it out here. There's three, four, five major concepts that make sense why he would be a contender. Is he going to take the job? When you start to kind of get through the, you know, the, through the weeds of it, I don't think so. I think that he would be best served and could find an opportunity to put together another really, really good season at Georgia Tech and go be, you know, maybe the OC at a, you know, top 10 program or maybe be the head coach at a group of five program. I, I will tell you this. There was a lot of conversation about, well, he turned the Arkansas job down. I'm going to tell you this. Those two situations are vastly different. While it's true that, you know, he turned the Arkansas job down, Arkansas is perceived, uh, and that's why they got Bobby Petrino as their OC, which is just a wild concept. But Ralph can vouch for me here. Look, Arkansas is a dead man walking situation. 
I mean, Sam Pittman and that AD over there, they essentially said, we're going to keep you. But everyone knows if he loses four, five, six, seven games, let's just say five to seven games next year, if they don't make a bowl game, he's out. So if you're Buster Faulkner, it makes more sense to bide your time at Georgia Tech rather than, you know, latching on with a program that the whole, you might be out of a job next year. That's not going to be the case at Kentucky. Kentucky's not firing a Mark Stoops. Mark Stoops taking that program to heights they haven't been since Bear Bryant was there. So, <laughs> but a dumpster fire for basketball reference <laughs> right in that comment. That's a wild situation. So that's why I would say those two situations are not different. And it's just a different, it's, it's just a, it's just different situation, different parameters within that situation. So, I do. I'll say this to kind of round this out. I, I understand why Buster Faulkner is a can- potential perceived as a candidate because there's nothing in stone. It's just essentially Bruce Feldman saying, "Hey, this would make sense." And I will tell you this, folks. There's hundreds of people that you could make that that comment for. But is he really perceived as a candidate? I don't know, and I don't think anyone really knows if they are viewing him or if that's something Feldman just kind of said. Hey, it makes sense of why he would be there. I think you can connect the dots and make that you know assumption for yourself. I certainly did, and I understand why Feldman came to that conclusion. Uh, will he leave? Like I mentioned earlier, I mean, it's what he views as the best chance for to further his career and or stay close to family. Uh, that's going to be the most interesting part of this whole conversation going forward. If you jump to Kentucky. You just saw their OC got a job in the, in the NFL. He's done it twice. Am I right in that, Ralph? Liam Cohen went to the LA from the, from the from Kentucky, and then he went essentially from to Tampa Bay from Kentucky. So he's done it twice. Uh, you've had a quarterback that was, you know, a uh, essentially a high draft pick. I think what Ralph what Levis was a second round pick, I believe, uh, this past draft, and is going to get a shot to lead that franchise, you know, next season. So. You see what type of exposure that can give you. It's got to be, you know, tantalizing again. Yeah, it, it has to be. But will he leave? I don't know. I don't necessarily think so. But who knows? This has shown anything can happen in this cycle. And an OC job opening up essentially in February, folks, at a SEC school, that's a, that's crazy. That's absolutely nuts. And, you know, Kentucky's a solid program. Mark Stoops is a solid coach. And you've got to feel like they're at least going to be a program that wins seven to nine games a season. And as we have seen during Mark Stoops' tenure, is going to challenge, you know, no longer because no, there's no more divisions, but going to challenge to go to Atlanta. And they – look, you could laugh at them for losing to Georgia, but the past four or five years, if I'm not mistaken, Ralph – They've gone into Athens or Georgia's come to Lexington with a chance that really being the SEC East title game because Florida was down and Tennessee was down, you know, before that. So it's going to be very interesting. I do agree with what Dr. Bob was saying. This is going to, you know, require investment, I think, Um, you know, just from maybe a monetary standpoint, making sure you keep that guy that was such an integral part of your success. So is it fact or fiction with the rumors? Who, who knows? I, I completely understand why he's an option, but is he really going to leave? That's a whole other conversation. I lean towards no, but we'll see. It would make sense if he did. It also would make sense if he stays. I can see career growth in both avenues. It depends on what he sees, what his agent sees, and what that family sees. going to be very, very interesting to kind of watch that as we rock and roll throughout of what has been a crazy offseason. It's been absolutely nuts. Uh, Ralph gives it to me here. He goes, Dana Holgerson, Joe Moorhead, Buster Faulkner, Kevin Johns, Bush Hamden, 
Gino Guidi, Guid, 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 I don't even know how to say that. Uh, we're going to rely on Dr. Bob, Notre Dame's quarterback coach. Gino Guidugli. Uh, Guidugli. I'm going to go with that. Uh, those are perceived options, I think, by Bruce Feldman. And uh, we'll see what happens. going to be very interesting. I understand why he's in the conversation. He's done a great job. Does he leave? We'll have to see. Hey, we appreciate you for tuning in impromptu-wise and just hanging out with us here on a Sunday evening. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your week. Uh, if you're listening in the podcast feed, make sure to like, subscribe up there, but come on over to the YouTube channel and give us a like and a subscription over here too, completely free of charge. And as you should, we're going to be ramping up the writing here very, very quickly. Crowdabooth.com. Uh, it's a newsletter. It goes straight to your email, completely free to sign up, but you can support us in different ways over there. And we would appreciate that too. My name is Bryce Kuhn. Ralph Leary's in the background. We appreciate you being a part of tonight's show. Uh, Jacket's got a lot going for him. Exciting times uh, there on the flats for that football program. And look, Damon Stoudemire is going to figure this out. I think he's the right man for the job. And I think Georgia Tech Hoops is going to, uh, you know, they got to grow. Learning pains, growing pains. They're going to figure it out. This has been Swarm Talk and on the Crowded Booth. See you next time. How in here and make yourself feel at home. Coming on. The Crowded Booth with Bryce Coons.